welcome. We are coming to you live and direct from that simulation of a comic book world called Earth. Because comics have actually taken over the world. We have supervillain hackers shutting down the global supply chain. We have a deadly virus. We have mindless zombies attacking the capital. We have UFOs. We even have a brood X. And of course, there's Marvel. And yes, there are some grumblings about Phase 4, Eternals trailer, and whatnot, but we're still good with Marvel. Why? Because Marvel works. For today's episode, we will look at why that is, why others, i.e. DC, are still trying to figure it out. As always, we will be bringing three generations of perspectives, Gen X, Millennial, and Gen Z. And who, so who wants to kick it off? as to why Marvel works. Why does Marvel work? I mean, Marvel works because it's like, it's well, Marvel. I think it's Marvel, obviously. Yo, because it's Marvel, right? But I think like Marvel works because Marvel is set in the real. Marvel's like, basically, like in all of our conversations that we've had prior to this, what you've always brought up is that Marvel is based in science, right? Marvel is based in the real world. There are things that happen in Marvel that you can always see either happening right now or you know what we're not that far off it. prime example the first avengers movie i remember was it 2012 right yeah 2012 i had seen in the movie and colson had just handed uh tony you know basically like yo we need to we need you to look at this so handed it him on a tablet tablets are real right and then when Pepper is saying, like, Tony, what, what, what are you looking at it? I remember him just doing, basically just putting his hand on the tablet and then just saying this and then throwing all screens onto just basically into thin air. But it's like, oh, that's possible. Mm. Oh, I can. Yo, that, we're not that far off because it's like M-R-A-R-A. All of these are. <laughs> <laughs> All these R's, but that was the thing. That was one of the one one of the first things, like to kind of you know touch on it that Marvel works because Marvel's based in the real. DC runs into a problem because it's so fantastic. And going along with um, so the Iron Man example, they even like looking at sort of how Iron Man translated from the Marvel comics to the MCU and how they were able to adapt his storyline to sort of a modern context. You know, he's, I believe, a weapons trader and he's making this suit out of iron. And then he starts using, you know, once he gets back, he starts making it out of like more nuanced (laughs) and complex and advanced technology and basically takes a suit of armor essentially and makes, you know, this sort of, I guess, advanced, you know, suit that I think, looks like something that could exist here. Of course, the closest thing we got, maybe like a SpaceX, you know, ship or like a Tesla or, you know, sometimes the more advanced robots that we have on Earth. But like, you know, that looks like something, just looking at it, it looks like something that can be real. And yes, it's probably due to CGI, also just like with technology we have available now, but like just how the story was adapted and just like you can see and be like, yes, I can see that happening maybe in 50 years. Scientists may say no, (laughs) <laughs> but you know you can kind of you can it seems if it, it still feels likely it still feels probable 
And that story was made probably 70 years ago, 60 years ago. And the fact that we could look at the movie now and be like, this character is still relatable. This character can, could exist. It does exist in, you know, in different forms and different in, in the world and is making this amazing piece of technology. And, you know, that's what's funny is that if, let's say if this was DC, it would be like a wish list, right? Like, I wish I had this power. I wish I, I had that power. I wish the Snyderverse was real. <laughs> right? It's like a wish list. Right? All, the, all everyone's powers are like wishes. And I think the fact that, you know, Marvel's rooted in science, it creates balance. So you're able to have a bad guy that is like your equal. Because right, we all have access to the same science. Whereas if it's a wish, hey, I got that wish first. Right? I'm the strongest man in the universe. All right, what you got? I don't know. <laughs> right? I'm the king of the ocean. What you got? Mm-hmm. I got a ring. I got a green ring. And this green ring will do whatever I want. What you got? I, mean, I don't know. Right? And so that's why I think DC in some sense struggles a little bit. Because in terms of relatability, because you're, you're not able to necessarily create balance. You're not able to create struggle, right? Because if it's just my fantasy, then it is what it is, right? Whereas in Marvel, the secret to Marvel, I remember one of my favorite comics growing up was Bring on the Bad Guys, or Here Come the Bad Guys, I forget which one it was. It was a graphic novel. And it gave the backstories to Doom, to all these, you know, these various characters, Mephisto, well, not say Mephisto, but it was like sort of like their introduction. And it was like, yo, this is, this is the joint, right? And that sort of back and forth is attractive, right? Because you don't necessarily know if you're going to win. So if the, if the X-Men are going against Magneto, you never know, <laughs> right? If Doom is going against the Fantastic Four, you never know. Freaking Thanos kicked everyone's butt, <laughs> Right. And even though, even though the heroes won in the end, Thanos got his pound of flesh. Mm-hmm. Iron Man is dead. So you you have that battle scar. Iron Man is dead. Vision is dead. Black Widow is dead. Black Widow is dead. You know, you're I, walking away. You know, you're walking away with that. Ooh, and I think yeah. that that's 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 there's something to that. There's struggle there. You know, right? a lot about that, because it's like that's an like that's another that's another thing about why Marvel works, why DC doesn't. It, and it builds on what you just said. And it, it builds on what, what you just said and what you said earlier about it being wishless, right? It's like in Marvel, you have, characters have wishes and they don't come true, right? They don't come true. Like you have, it's like, man, I wish it's like, well, you know, <laughs> and you get that a lot in their introductions before you even get to the bad guys, right? You get that in the introduction. Like take one of the first Marvel superhero like superheroes and hero teams the fantastic four right you have reed richards who technically reed richards and i say sue storm technically got away clean johnny storm turns into you know although he's a you know reimagining of the original human torch but he turns into fire it's like and it took him years to really get that under control but again he's technically human and then you have ben grip the thing it's his entire i mean just that his body turns into rock and while all of new york 
praising Reed Richards, Sue Storm, Johnny Storm, and then you get Ben Grimm, and they're like, eh. <laughs> this is rock guy. <laughs> right? Oh, rock guy. Oh, you whack, boo. Right, but it's like you have this, it's this, you know, it's this give and take, right? Now, you know, Ben Grimm, you know, he's a human being, obviously. He's not necessarily flawed, but he wants, but he's a hero, but he has to deal with the fact that he's disfigured to the utmost, right? Um, uh, Tony Stark, like, like uh, the Gen Zers said, right? Tony Stark, and also use him both from the MCU and also the original, where in the MCU, yeah, he's an arms dealer, right? Right, he's an arms dealer, and um, you know he's you know you know very self centered, but you know nothing out of the ordinary. Well, in the Marvel comics, he's an alcoholic. That's right. With uh, who gets who gets his Iron Manness taken away? Yeah, right. Practically everyone's favorite Marvel hero, Peter Parker. Right, that every, the one of the most, if not the most relatable, right, the most relatable character in all of. In the MCU, technically, but definitely inside of all of Marvel. And when he gets his powers, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm on the top of the world. I can finally exert my will." And the moment he does not exert his will, his uncle gets killed. Now, then he finds out that the reason that his uncle is dead is because the moment he should have exerted his will, he did not, and now he has to live with that. And that's the thing with Marvel. There is that relatability because it's like everyone knows, like, you know what? I know what it's like not to get my way. I know what it's like. It's like, hmm, I could have, I should have, but you still keep going. Yeah. No one got scars. Yeah. So I got it. Oh, yeah. And and I would say with um DC, going back to an earlier point, that with the DC, a lot of the heroes feel sort of born into the power. So either by chance or by, you know where they happen to be from and they feel very, you know, they're born into it. And, you know, I don't think for many people they can relate to sort of being born into their superpower. You know, many people, you know, it's that, you know, the strength and the power they have is something that they discovered or they found or that, you know, through chance, not through chance, but yeah, through chance and situations, you know, moments, they've sort of found the strength and they've become, you know, and I think becoming someone, becoming, you know, in this case, a hero is something that is, makes more sense to people. Like, oh, like, yes, I had a moment where I became, you know, more strong or I became, I found strength. And I think that's really kind of a, you know, a difference a little bit with DC and Marvel. And also going back to another point, you know, for, for not everyone, for, you know, for not everyone, this power is really a power. Like if we go back to the X-Men, you know, in particular, Gallows Man Kills, like that power was actually a source of great grief and struggle. It wasn't something that was always wanted, you know, in DC, you have Wonder Woman who's, you know, you know, she's this like powerful woman from an Amazonian woman from like another, you know, place. And she just comes in and sort of saves the day. But in these in Marvel, you have sort of, you know, these people who are considered mutants, who have things that make them different, are now being discriminated for it, are now being exiled for it, are now being regulated for it. And they're not considered heroes, not automatically heroes, just because they have a power. Now they're freaks, now they're dangerous, now they're, you know, they're something to be, you know, uh, 
you know, to be controlled. And it's, and it just, I think it really speaks to the difference between Marvel and DC. And that's interesting too, because that's sort of like the head of the, like they synced it early, as we would say, growing up, they synced it early. Is that just as, let's say, when Marvel first came out, there was sort of like a one mind, theoretically, in terms of where we're going, right? Not really, but you didn't have like a, let's say, like a Fox News, right? Who was saying, right or wrong, we just want to give you this other perspective. In, in the DC world, they're cheerleaders. Everyone is on the side of the hero. Everybody. The Marvel world, as you were saying, I'm not so sure. I'm not, I don't know. And it starts really with Peter Parker, you know, and the Daily Bugle and J. Jonah James. He's like, screw this guy. He ain't no good. <laughs> like, and you, the reader, are like, no, he's really a good guy. He's trying. He has this tragedy. You know, he's trying to work it out. And Joe's like, Parker, Parker, <laughs> Parker. He hates Spider-Man. And as the reader, you're like, why is he so, why is he against this guy? Or General Ross, why is he against, you know, the Hulk? You know, the Hulk is like this good guy. And so in essence, you as the reader become invested in these various heroes because they're struggling. They're trying to work it out. And you feel as though that they are being mistreated in some way. But you, you're not able to reach across and say, hey, wait a minute, don't do that. Spider-Man's a good guy. Hey, wait a minute, don't do that. Hulk is a good guy. Right. But so when Marvel first came out, like everyone was on the side of the hero. There were no antiheroes. Right. Marvel created, in essence, the antihero that misunderstood. Like, even the book of the Punisher. Right. The Punisher is the bad guy. Right. For why he was like the bad. Well, how did he become a bad guy? They killed his family. They murdered his family. What are you and telling so, me? And they feel like, yeah, go get him, Punisher. Go get him. But again, you're you just read about it. Like, that's sort of like your wink and nod, your secret that you share with the, with the story, that you see how they're being screwed, you see how they're misunderstood. But in the comic, they're the villains, go get them. <laughs> and the villains, go get them. And, and that's, I think, that really speaks to Marvel's, I don't know, I don't know if Stan and Kirby, you know, they, maybe they had, I don't know, they had the touch, but the, a lot of things they were setting up in the 50s and 60s is really today. I mean, that's one of the, and back to technology thing for a second, what's so interesting is that when you were saying that regarding Iron Man, that Iron Man story works no matter what decade you're in. And Marvel, in essence, and just as the DC heroes were the first ones out the box, right? Those, they, they blew first, Superman and Batman, right? And the DC movies blew first. Again, Superman and Batman. Christopher Reeve was a joint. <laughs> I love that. You couldn't have made Marvel in this. You couldn't have made a Marvel movie in the 70s and 80s and 90s. It, it wouldn't have worked. We, in essence, as a world, had to catch up to Marvel. And I think that is, is something about that. And I think it's because of what we were saying it was rooted in science. But now there's one DC character, Uno. There's one. There's one who is, in essence, the first Marvel character. <laughs> Even though he's in DC, he has the bad guys. He has the, the villains. He's rooted in science. He has mm-hmm. the backstory. And what's his name? Freaking Batman. Batman. 
<laughs> and Robin. <laughs> but yeah, that, I think that's really cool. I think that's really cool, right? Because, you know, that how that works. I think that's really cool that, you know, that I think there's an irony there that DC struggles to sort of re- be relatable to figure it out. But they have the character and they have the story and he lives in Gotham. And that's like that's like the major reason why all of their like when it comes to when it comes to the DCEU, that's where they, DC what? The, <laughs> the non Snyderverse. Oh, okay. The I thought you said something like we're not, bad, the, we're not the MCU with like, like what? My bad. The non Snyderverse. That's, <laughs> that's what I mean. Right. <laughs> like the non Snyderverse, they run into it because it's like their characters can't exist. I mean, they can exist in you know the real world as it were but they run into they they run the gamut when it's like okay well what happens when you do have a a hero just to you know just as a word that's fighting crime and doing all this other stuff right it's like why is no one questioning this with batman you actually have it's like you have you you have like several people that know what Bruce Wayne and Batman, what Bruce Wayne slash Batman are doing. You know, Commissioner Gordon, why? And then it's like, why does the commissioner of the police, why? Because Gordon knows how corrupt Gotham Police Department is. <laughs> He's like, I got to do my job. But at the same time, it's like, I have to keep doing my job because if I try to go above and beyond, my wife, my family's going to be in danger. I'm going to be in danger. How do I do this? Oh, snap. This dude called Batman is vigilante and is doing all the stuff that I can't do. But as long as Gotham on the surface seems like it's getting better and I'm sending and I'm sending, you know, please like, yo, yeah, go get him. <laughs> go get him. Nod and wink. And then I have corrupt politicians that are like, listen, I'm making all of you look good. Just if it comes down to it, I'm not going to be the one to do anything. That guy's going to drop you off at my doorstep. Hmm. So do what you do. But it, but over, <laughs> but across the bridge at Metropolis, only Lex Luthor is just like in Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> like only Lex Luthor is the one that's like. So none of you are worried that if this being from another planet that can do all that, you, like he's just inherently good. Why do y'all believe that? It's like why do you believe that he is just automatically like yeah he's on our side? Why do you think that? Well, because I'm asking questions, I'm the bad guy. Right. Because I did I just robbed the bank and like kidnapped the president. You know, I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad guy, right? I'm the bad guy. Come on. I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad guy. Yeah. And you and you see that. Yeah. And you see that question asked, I guess, in Marvel from less villainous um places, um, or not being more neutral. Um, so the government's the typical ones um, that you see sort of ask that question and, you know, sort of be a frequent, in some cases, be sort of a frequent sort of, uh, I guess, countermeasure um, or counterforce sort of against unregulated, you know, mass of superheroes collecting, <laughs> to, you know, to do things good and bad. But in DC, it, it seems, at least in Gotham, it seems to, or in DC, it seems to really come from one person who's a villain. And 
you know, that, that also has some implications for like narratives. Like it, it's a pretty logical thing. Like I think of superheroes sort of existed, you know, let's say theoretically today, they would be, you know, we would sort of expect a Marvel sort of reaction. Um, not sort of this random, you know, villain guy being like, ah, you shouldn't, you know, why are you believing him? You know, person in the various means. Social media would kill him. <laughs> Word. Rag, tapping him up. Drag him, drag him all through the way. Like, what? Who, who is, who is this thinking that they could do fit, 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 fit. TikTok videos and whatnot. Word. Hashtag take this like. Bring him down the peg. Bring him down the peg. Bring him down the peg. Exactly. Come on, come on, come on. Bring him down. 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 Can't be this great. Impossible. I'm not that great. Ain't all that. You can't be all that. Can't be all that. Come on now. Come on now. You know, but that yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, that's the thing. But I just think that's so interesting regarding Batman. And when you look, and so this is a quick, which is interesting is that just as, like, if you look, what is the real story? Let's take it, let's think about this for a second. What's the real story of Batman? Is Batman the, the alter ego of Gordon? Or is, or is it Batman and Joker? And Ooh. I think that's his real, because once you brought that up, I was like, wow, I never thought about that. That, you know, he's like, Gordon is like, hey, look, I can't do you do it. I, he can't. Gordon, I like, yeah. Gordon, like, like, anytime, so <laughs> it's funny that this always comes up. So, like, the internet meme of just like, yeah, Batman, two, Bruce Wayne's Batman's two powers and white privilege, right? Now, then turn from a You want to see that struggle? You <laughs> <laughs> want see that struggle? It's like, it then turned from a meme to folks actually believing it. I'm just like, wait, holy, oh, wait, wait. Do you not understand the world that we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as that folks are like, well, he can just use the money. I'm just like, no, he cannot. Like, he legitimately cannot use that money because then folks are trying to kill him. And then if he turns out to be like, oh, wait, Bruce Wayne can really defend himself. It just throws everything under the bus. And then Bruce Wayne does not exist. And then he cannot do what his story is about to do. It's like, I have to find a way to avenge, you know, my parents, obviously, and then also keep, you know, other kids from, I mean, that, I mean that's more, you know, that's more um, uh, idealistic. But again, the whole thing is that Gotham is the character or is, is, is a character in his story. Not a villain, not a hero, right? Gotham, and it's wild because like I never, I just happened to make this connection. And then I do want to go back to what you said about like, you know, where, like, where does Batman really fit in this is similarly to The Wire where Baltimore is a character. Mm. And in, in in the entirety of Batman, Gotham is a character. Gotham is the only city. You rarely see sunshine. Right? <laughs> always dark. Always raining. It just, it's, a, it's horrible. Except for the Joker. The Joker is the one color. The, the Joker one? is the rainbow in the life of, of the life of Gotham. It's Dude, the Joker. You, yo, you can't miss the Joker. The Joker is only like, listen, you're going to see me. The Joker is like, you're going to see me. You're going to know who is here. All the time, right? No clandestine, nothing. It's just like blow it up, <laughs> <laughs> blow it up now. I'm gonna put my name in the graffiti. Joker did it. <laughs> Joker, Joker was here. Joker was right? here. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's like you have this very. Is Batman literally is in the middle of of all of it? Where you have Gordon, 
that is trying to be justice or, you know, uh, no, I'll say within the context of Gotham as a character. Jim Gordon is justice in that world, trying to bring justice. And the Joker is pure. So he's pure justice. And on the other side of that is the Joker who's pure anarchy. And his anarchy, listen, just on a quick tangent, one of my favorite episodes, as a matter of fact, two, two instances where the Joker's body count was enormous, where you really had to step back and say, how many people died? Mm. From the first movie, 1989, with Jack Nicholson, when he poisoned all of the cosmetics. Yeah, that was crazy. And it's like, oh, you only saw that one woman die, right? But years later, I was like, wait, how many people were using that and did not know at the moment? I was like, yo, we just took out half a Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the animated series where in this episode, I can't remember the, the name of the episode, but you have Two-Face, Poison Ivy, the Penguin, Brock, and the Joker, and all sitting around playing cards. And all was talking about the whole thing, but I think the episode's called Almost Got Him. And at the end, when the Joker talk about Almost Got Him, where he traps, <laughs> where he traps like members of the studio audience, basically trapped them in the, in the sound studio. And then, <laughs> yo, yo, we talked about this episode where he basically starts, <laughs> he starts pumping laughing gas into, <laughs> right? And he's like, yo, these yahoos will laugh at anything, even the phone book. And Harley's like, And then Harley starts reading from the phone book. And I'm like, wait a minute. People are laughing because there's no antidote. They're dying. (laughs) Oh, God. Like, they're dying because they cannot breathe from how hard they're laughing. So, like I said. They're dying laughing. (laughs) They're dying laughing. The joke is a genius. The joke is a genius. The joke is a genius. Oh, yeah. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, this uh, this is on the same this is sort of on the same line, but sort of you know back to sort of you know Batman's superpower is white privilege, and also thinking of the question of where he fits into you know all of this. You know, when you think of Batman, you know he comes from a wealthy family, and both his parents are killed as sort of a result of this ecosystem in Gotham, and so you're sort of starting off with a plot that's sort of somewhat rare. In reality, um, in, in at least in the U.S., where you know we associate extreme economic privilege with sort of escaping, sort of escaping whatever you're living in, and here you have sort of the uh, the reversal where he's you know in this <laughs> he's in this environment and he's being deeply affected by it and is now becoming vigilante, which is what we associate with sort of a someone in the not in his position. And so instead of becoming some sort of politician and or becoming some sort of philanthropist, you know, those things probably existed when his parents died. And, you know, those were his parents. And he simply said, well, if with all, you know, kind of looking at it with all their money, with all their sort of connections, they, they're dying as a result of the place they're in. Why would I do the same thing and, and recreate the same thing? And so he essentially becomes this vigilante and is trying to sort of act, like, directly fight what has happened to him and what is happening around him. And so, so it's sort of a very interesting sort of just kind of thinking about where he fits in this sort of conversation in Marvel versus DC. He's sort of occupying this very interesting space 
of being affected as everyone is by the, the place he's in, but in a way that we don't usually associate with his social position. Hmm. And that's interesting because if you look at if Gotham is a character in DC and that character is so, so deep that no one is, no one is immune. You could be paid and it got you. You could be broken and it got you. Gotham got you, right? Mm-hmm. So like Baltimore in the water. Mm-hmm. You look at Marvel, it all took place in New York City, <laughs> right? All the characters in New York City. And I think, again, there's something rinse and repeat-ish of, about the Marvel stories is that crime still happens, right? Crime still happens. Like you have Spider-Man and Daredevil who are ill. They're badass, but... Who was on the other side of that ledger? Freaking Kingpin. And no matter how nice they are at their hands, how smart Spider-Man is, how enhanced Daredevil is, how many friends they have, Kingpin's still going to be the Kingpin. And that's life. Like, that's reality. Is that evil doesn't go anywhere. Evil is waiting. Evil is like, okay, you got me this time. I'll be back. I'm going to be back. (laughs) I'll be back. In fact, I'm already plotting and scheming. (laughs) I'm just waiting for you two episodes later. And, And that's something... Also, that compare that separates is put Batman to the side for a second. Marvel versus DC. In Marvel, they actually there are characters who actually try to fight drugs or who are affected by drugs. Like there was a, you know, a green, I think it was Green Green Arrow story. Someone, someone who died. Yeah. But if you look at really the Marvel, Psychic. yeah, Speedy, I think. So if you look at Marvel, you have characters who are actually fighting heroin, like in the seventies, fighting. Crack. I remember there was a great story of Luke Cage, Power Man, knocking down a building. Mm. But when the building collapsed, an invisible woman had put, I think it was invisible, put a, a shield around these kids who were playing in the abandoned building. So you were part of that, that city. But as Gil Scott Heron said, Superman doesn't come to the ghetto. <laughs> right? Mm. That's, that's, like, that's, like, that's like beneath Superman. And just as in Marvel, it's beneath certain characters. Like X-Men and Hulk don't roll up on your spot handling that local you know, hand fight nah. corruption and all these things. Nah, nah, we don't do that. That's okay. what we, do. we leave that to the minor characters. And you stream, you know, they, you stream their shows, <laughs> that's for them. We do the heavy lifting. <laughs> right. The intergalactic lifting. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, Daredevil, you're not fighting, clearly. You have no business fighting Thanos. None. <laughs> You just can't hang. You know, this is intergalactic stuff, right? When you fight Galactus, you know, what, what is there? What do do? Stick and bang on his cat. What a do? Come on. It's like looking down like, <laughs> <laughs> what's that? <laughs> you know, but there is, but, you know, but that's so interesting about Marvel is that, you know, that it's so tied to New York City. And, like Batman's sort of relationship with Gotham. And unlike Gotham, like Gotham is like this fantasy evil place, right? New York City, it's all of those things, right? And it's still a little bigger. It's not there, but it's there, right? It has a, a thermal field, right? And I think that's one of the, the attractions of, um, of Marvel's fantasy that. When you know when you see like the first Avengers movie, you're like, "Yo, that's in New York City." Never mind, you know who cleans it up. <laughs> who cleans up the mess? We don't talk about that, right? 
But I think that's that's really that adds to the to the to the fantasy that wait a minute when I step outside, you know, this might be happening. Whereas, although DC is all about the fantasy, they rob you of that fantasy that you don't see it in your world, right? And that gets to even the thing about science and you know Iron Man and the, the AR VR mm-hmm. and exoskeletons and everything. There's something that kind of like wait. That's America, right? Like shield and sword, whatever. That, that's like, you know, CIA, NSA, boom, 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 right? And if those UFOs turn out to be real, we're going to need one of those, <laughs> right? But DC kind of robs you of that. So it, it, it kind of, it's, it's out of arm's length. You can't bring it to you. Yeah. You know, it's this crazy fantasy, but it's still over there somewhere. Yeah, and and, and, and also... Um, I think, uh, someone said this before this, but, you know, Superman, you know, is this kid who can see through people, who can see into people who has laser eyes, you know, and what, and what, you know, world in our world, can a kid just sit in the classroom and have all these powers and, you know, is just like, oh, you're like, you're like some superhero now. You know, like, you know, just it, it's, it's, it's so that that's such a idyllic uh, story that, you know, you have all these powers and you probably can't control them. And you're just sitting in class and you're like, I don't know what's going on. How many and, kids would die? How many kids were killed making this Superman comic? Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and now, and now it. you're, and now you're just, you know, now you you have, you have, you know, you're just this, you know, the super, you're a superhero, you know, and it, and it's, and I think it just kind of takes you, it it takes you out of it a little bit because you're like, ah, I can't, you know, that that doesn't, that doesn't really, none of this exists, but like it's sort of like, it's you know, Marvel and DC, yes, they're in realms of non-existence, some existence, but there are certain, you know, crew tenets that ground the story, I think, um, for people, whether it's the possibility or it's the reality. So like, you know, when we're talking about Marvel with the, you know, heroes being made sort of part or whether it's, you know, a literal sort of like it's in New York rather than being in Gotham um, or like the possibility of there being, you know, an Iron Man. And you can say even a Batman, right? Like, <laughs> you know, those things really ground the story and allow you to sort of think beyond. So you're like, maybe, maybe I'm not seeing like, you know, a giant spaceship coming over, you know, the Empire State Building. But like, oh, if this happened tomorrow, I don't believe it, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so, and New York just feels like that. So like, I, I think, you know, I think that's a, you know, valid point. Like, the, I mean, like, to what you just said, and again, to the, you know, to the non, to the non Snyderverse, which it, what, what hurts is that to tell a story like that is, it's traumatic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, there, the, when you're, another thing about it, uh, when we're talking about DC, and this is why Batman is such a good, you know, 
platform or, you know, springboard for all the DC, you know, eat, you know, for all their would be movies is there's tragedy there, mm-hmm. but it's not a tragedy in the same way. Like for a, to the story of, um, of Superman to be a, you know, 11 year old kid. And then all of a sudden you're in class and you just see the skeletal structure of everyone in your classroom. That's going to, what do you do with that? Ask him nice Solomon. <laughs> Clearly, word. Ask him. That's what happened. That's what happened. <laughs> Everyone catching it. Everybody. Everyone catching it. But it's like, you know, you. There's. It's not a. It's it's not a happy story, you know. Yet. And. Even like even in taking where the. But the cartoons, right, where the DC animated universe did say, like, okay, we, there are some times where we can have some, you know, some life stories and have some fun. But, like, the last episode was it the Justice League Unlimited when Superman was fighting Darkseid, and he let oh, yeah, everyone yeah. know, this is what I deal with every day. I am so strong, so powerful, that I, I cannot for once lose control. For once, I can't just like, okay, let me, because if I happen to be like, you know what, I'm not going to try to kind of just, when I talk about holding back, right? It's like, I'm just going to take a step where a step that he takes could cause a earthquake and literally shift the platelets on the planet. What kind of existence is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are various, like, there's various versions of super of Superman um, usually with the catalyst being some sort of a loss um, or some sort of turning point where he realizes his power isn't enough to save, you know, for example, Lois or, you know, to save someone or save something. He, you know, that, that, that realization and that, you know, trauma is so immense that he loses control and essentially changes the f- changes the earth, <laughs> you know, changes, you know, changes the, the fate of whole, like the minute, the minute he loses control, things just sort of turn upside down. But, yeah, but that, but like, you know, that doesn't necessarily like Batman doesn't necessarily happen for Batman. Cause you know, he wasn't a superhero when that happened. Right. You know, that doesn't happen for a lot of Marvel characters, you know, that, that, tragedy when when they experience tragedy it's that it's not unleashed through necessarily power in that way like total sort of like i'm gonna take over the world sort of thing it's it's a sort of human sort of breakdown a cry literally a a, a tear and literally superman could not cry at least no at least in in, um injustice Did not see maybe a single tear. Actually, he did cry, but he he didn't he didn't realize that all he was dealing with was depression and grief, and he just completely just boom. And for many people, that doesn't exist. <laughs> it, it literally does not, you know. Um, and and it's just like this. It's it's this crazy sort of plot. <laughs> yeah, that's funny because if you think about grief in Marvel, 
right? There's a Spider-Man grief. There's the Dark Phoenix grief. Yeah. Yeah. Right? There's, um, there's another one. There's Dark Phoenix. There's Spider-Man. A, and, a lot of them deal with grief. Right, a lot of them deal with <laughs> grief. But, like, I know there's Doctor Strange. He became Doctor Strange. Like, he dealt, dealt with his grief. Right. Yeah, you, sometimes the grief is more like the, is, is the catalyst. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's like part and parcel of sort of Marvel in that that's their humanity. And I think maybe it's because when it came along, like Marvel came along, really, it had been around, but it was, it came around during the 50s and 60s, where you were still, where you were like, you know what, it's okay to be vulnerable a little bit. Whereas in the 30s, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, who is vulnerable? And that's fascinating. I mean, what you're saying about Superman and, you know, he just kind of became, right? In Marvel, you're trained. Everyone is kind of like the, the characters are trained in some way. Like the obvious, the obvious example are the X-Men, right? It, like if this was DC, if, if DC was Marvel, was Superman powered up, Xavier would have showed up. Quick, you know what? Let me show you how to do that. Let me show you, let me teach you, right? Or Magneto. A Magneto, or right? Like, Your no. side. <laughs> Who's gonna get to you first? Who's gonna get to you first? Right, had the ancient one, right? So there's something to that. You mean you have to learn? Like even Silver Surfer became Surfer because of Galactus, and that that's this that's part of this whole thing of you're becoming. You're not ready. You have yeah. to learn, right? You're not just giving. And then there are whole organizations in the Marvel universe who are directed to training and using, but different like this there's um shield mm-hmm. right you know there's some training to be part of shield right there's aim there's hydra now there's you know sword right but all of these instances are you're not ready we have to show you how to use these powers and there's something to that that's really interesting and the other oh yeah the other character thing was black widow yeah i did a whole story about her dealing with grief right but that's that's something that's you know very relatable, you know, to the Marvel story, and why I think Marvel. That's another reason why Marvel connects, right? Now, what's also interesting is that, you know, we, we kind of touched on you know Iron Man and um, during the Vietnam era, and Superman when he feels lost, it's a wrap. There is no more crime, <laughs> right? Are you oh. thinking about crime? You get bopped in the face, and that's it for you, fam. Right. There is that one group in the DC universe, kind of sorta, that sort of kind of gets to that question, like what do what do heroes look like in sort of the real real world? And that's the Watchmen. Right. So the Watchmen were the first ones you got to register. We don't trust you. You're weird. <laughs> right. And it's like DC couldn't deal with it. They said, okay, we'll create this other world called the Watchmen. Y'all work it all out. And again, it's marvel it's marvelous, it's marvelish, right? You say, you know, you guys became heroes, we don't really trust you, register, right? You're freaking weird, you want some S you know, some SM crap. We don't like you, <laughs> trust you, right? And then in on the um in the in the series, right, the Watchmen, same sort of thing, right? And so they're dealing with all these issues. You know, there they were dealing with race, like like the X-Men is about race. But that's fascinating, right? That just as what would happen if they kind of not lost control, but became agents of the state. 
or what happened. So Nixon apparently said, man, yo, Dr. Manhattan, you got powers. Why don't you just end this war real quick? Like, oh, well. <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, wow, that was a, that's great. <laughs> we're, we're the joint. We got Dr. Manhattan, right? So Dr. Manhattan is sort of like that Superman character. He can do anything. And he becomes this, and he becomes aloof, right? Not mocking, but he becomes aloof. Like, I'm already there, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm going to go to where things are more interesting, <laughs> right? But that's, 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 like, that's, um, like, very interesting. Because whereas Marvel, as deals in the world, it de- dealt with race, right? It deals with being the outcast. That's Marvel's shtick. DC doesn't have that issue. Right. But the watchmen do. They deal in the real world. And as they're dealing with the real world, it's like, wow, what does this look like? Is this where is this where we're going? Right. And that's one of the reasons why I love the watchmen so much when I first read the, you know, the trade paperback or even the series, is that they dealt with hard issues. Now which interesting, while Marvel, like, so all the characters fought World War II, right? They could, but they couldn't win, apparently. Submariner, like, the combined DC Marvel universe cannot beat the Nazis. Nope. <laughs> I don't know how that works, right? And just as Marvel was sort of powered by the Cold War, Hulk and all these other characters, you know, they're, you know, Henry Pym, they, they're all the science thing, right? They didn't really touch them. Like, Iron Man was in Southeast Asia. And there's the Rand Corporation, all these different, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is basically some Cold War analog, right? They didn't really touch it. Yeah. Right? They kind of, they, they did touch um, Watergate a little bit with Captain America becoming Nomad. But that's what's interesting, right? So as much as Marvel's in the real world with some things, some things they don't touch, right? And, like, that's where it hurts, right? So whereas DC was able to come up with is like this other world, and you're like, ah, oh, that's over there. Marvel's like, yeah, we're in New York City, yeah, we're on Earth, you can feel us. But what happens with 9-11? We're worried. Before you get there, see, like, I started to think of uh, two things. Another, like, another world in which, um, it wasn't Superman until the very end, but it's a world where DC got a little bit too real. And it's once again, it's by no coincidence that it takes the death of the Joker for this to happen. And that's in Kingdom Come. Mm. And there it was where in Injustice, it was Superman that had lost control and then ended up killing the Joker. In Kingdom Come, there was another character's name, I forget, but he ended up killing the Joker. And Superman was like, you're not supposed to do that. Right? And it became a metahuman war. You had your villains, and then you had your metahuman war. And it culminated with a bunch of metahumans dying because of um, Shazam finally let lo- letting loose all of his power. And when that happened, Superman said, you know what? I'm done with all of it. Fly to the UN, and it's basically about to bring down the entire the entire structure onto all the diplomats that are there right now. And that was, it's when larger things, and this is, see, this is when DC actually can thrive because when you're, because it's so fantastic, 
you can then create allegories to whatever you're trying to talk about. Whatever's happening in the real world, you can create an allegory that is, this thing is so fantastic. We can talk about this thing by using these fantastic parallels in this world to say, okay, yeah. But when things get, but on the flip side, it's because Marvel is so close to reality. And this is where, and this is what you were about to touch on, that when something like 9-11 happens, it's like, come out. All of you are New York. Spider-Man, you're New York. X-Men, y'all are upstate New York. Reed Richards, the Fantastic Four, is in Manhattan. You created this thing. The what well, you created the Avengers thing. in New York. The Avengers are in New York. Tony Stark, you're in New York. Do- Doctor Strange, you're in New York. Y'all mean to tell me that none of you? So it is coming. None of you. <laughs> make this make sense, please. The Defenders are in uh, New York. And before we and before we get to that, just to just to recognize also where DC, you know, does a good job. Um, you know, I think in both in its animated series, um, you know, other ones too, but I would say specifically Teen Titans oh, yes. and um, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I would say... Batman animated series, all that. Yeah, like I, 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 I would say there, like I remember watching Teen Titans and if you watch each of their arcs, each arc follows like one of the characters, like, you going back to what you said, like they're essentially allegories through their sort of, you know, powers or through their sort of really their relationships with different characters and relationships with their own power and ability. You know, they're talking about these different issues. So, like Robin, it's PTSD for Cyborg, it's stability for Starfire, it's you know, being different. You can go deeper into that for Beast Boy, it's relationships and puberty. And sort of, you know, trying to help people and helping people when they don't want to be helped. Um, and for Raven, it's, you know, abuse and, you know, having this relationship with her father and trying not to become him. But like each of these characters are like uh, essentially allegories for like these really deep stories that they're essentially telling through like uh, a superhero story. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see that in Justice League Unlimited, you know, Batman. Animated series, you know, they really, you know, they really said something that I think, you know, was really unique to those shows. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, and and that and that's one of the wonders, the great wonders of the world. Why can't you do this with your movies? <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why can't you do that with your movies? But yeah, I mean, that's but that's and that's weird about the you know about Marvel that Marvel's advantage was that its relatability, right? Be it through science, through its characters talking about race, drugs, crime, whatever. Marvel had it. Yeah. But 9-11, you know, it fell short. And for me, it started really in the 90s. Because you started questioning Marvel's science. Right? Marvel's thought was founded in science. And then one of the then once you then once you're in the no, you know, the not so fast no generation, right? You know, no to NASA. We ain't got no money from NASA. Like, what? We're not going to space? <laughs> what, what happened? Right, it's too far. Why can't we go to Mars? It's too far. Not enough money. Like, really? You know, I remember that when I was a kid. Did I miss that issue? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like if you look at Hulk, the whole story of Hulk. 
Like we don't believe that just became, I remember I was like, you know, 19 to 20. And it was like, eh, that wouldn't have happened. Boo. You know, boo. And I'm not feeling, I'm not really feeling that. But that's that's really interesting though, that it sort of backed up on Marvel. Right? What made it great, what made it fantastic was that science was that relatability. But in the biggest story of the day, it had nothing to say but the Civil War allegory. Like the original, like this Marvel Civil War allegory. Yeah. Uh, that kind of was it. But it seemed to fall short and almost seemed maybe forced. Right. And now that we're in this COVID era, Marvel ain't got nothing to say. <laughs> like it didn't even happen. But I've got think, the whole storyline in in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like we're not doing that. Yeah, yeah. And and that still is that cause I think that's what and that's funny that the movies blew up just as 9-11 started to fade in the background. You know, could you have had this world, like this big hole over New York City opening up and then like them ripping up the city mm. like September 12, 2001? People are like, uh-uh, <laughs> we ain't going for it. We ain't going for it. And so that's, you know, that's kind of ill that, you know, it, it took sort of that memory to kind of fade a little bit for us to be ready and, the, and also the technology sort of catch up to Marvel stories, I think, for it to really be successful. But yeah, I have no clue why those those DC cartoons, man, fire. Fire. With Hulk, with Hulk woman? Fire. Oh, man. Like, you're a trader. I was like, man. I, I, I was like, yo. Oh, that girl, was deep. Yeah, it was. She, I think she, and oh, just a side note. She did. Um, I think I rewatched this scene that came up. Uh, but there's a scene where, like, I think someone that she, like, was, like, Live, live with because she's sort of exiled from like Justice League and mm-hmm. exiled from her home planet mm-hmm. and she had to like kill one of her friends who had gone essentially had just gone you know out of control and she was like I'll do it like it's it's she's a very deep character oh yeah um and so yeah it was just a, it was a reminder of sort of that you know depth to her character yeah and it's like I mean it's like but they can't find those writers it's like so crazy. And especially the Teen Titans one. I remember when you first told me that about the allegory for loss and abuse and everything, I was like, man. That's what, no. That's why I liked it so much. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because I was like, it's kind of weird, kind of buggy, kind of trippy. But, I, you know, it, it really resonated. It had a depth that, you know, maybe because it's taking place in a cartoon a little bit, that that fantasticness about it kind of blends in there's some like just like just to just within teen titans like there are a couple of stories that that come to mind like again one wow three (laughs) the three like that come to mind are wow four now (laughs) no i just kept thinking i'm like whoa this because the first one it was when Robin had turned on the Titans and he became a, you know, the underling for Slate. Yeah. And it was like, ooh, how is this going to turn out? And the follow-up to that, when they had defeated Slade, but he was going, he's like, it's impossible 
every time we think the slate is gone, he comes back and it ends up being him. And like, he's literally, if I'm not mistaken, like he was practically beating himself up. They're like, yo, what are you doing? You need to chill. The third one was, and this is more on just the kind of story that they could tell was with um, Red X. Mm -hmm. Which coming off of Robin being Slade's underling, folks are like, wait, is this really Robin? Because it's like he had, because it's like, wait, if I'm not mistaken, like I almost remember them saying, like he had to convince the rest of them, like, that is not me in there. Like that's literally like you had tied yeah. me up and he is out there doing doing wild stuff. That is not me. But again, as watchers, we're seeing somebody that's built like Robin, that's basically drawn like Robin, has his voice. And you're like, like to this day, that was like who did like, turn out to be in the end? I don't know. That's still a question. Yeah, see, that's the bad part about Teen Titans, is that. Shout out to the main because it was so cool because I think T-Tight takes place in New York City. <laughs> right? But <laughs> one of the things that I think what I did like about it, it wasn't, it wasn't really integrated enough into a world. Right? It was just these characters. Right? And I'm like, so it felt kind of um, like inside jokish. Felt kind of isolating. I feel like Once I love T-Tight. Yeah. You know, I it didn't. I, I missed the Marvel, like the the law, the larger world aspect of it. As right. Much as I love Teen Titans, I, I was always missing the sense that where is this larger world, Steven Universe? <laughs> where is this larger world? I want more. How does it all integrate? Where do these people come from? What is it about? Right. When they go to other worlds, you meet other people, right? Like Starfire, her 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 sister. And you know, in that part of the world, right? But it felt kind of isolated. And maybe that, and that was maybe the shortcoming a little bit, is that it wasn't integrated. Whereas Gotham, there was this whole integration. When you talk about Batman animated series, they were getting, you know, there was the audience, you yeah. know, we're dying laughing, <laughs> you know, where they come from, you know, these were the Gothamites, right? We go to Metropolis. There were cops. There were, you know, there was Luther's, you know, Luther's organization. There was a building there. And Teen Titans was this T sitting probably in East River or something. <laughs> yeah. But I would say, but, and I also say, like, that sort of follows, I mean, that I would say, you know, that sort of follows uh, children's shows. Like, I would say, like, children's shows, like, for example, Ed and Eddie is just, like, some random neighborhood. That apparently, like all this, ha- all like all this stuff happens in, you know, like just go oh, back to your jawbreakers. But like, who, like <laughs> wh- what? <laughs> but like, I think that's just the result of it being. I think you know, for the animated series, this maybe this result of just like, um, you know, sort of following sort of norms. Um, but I also think it's a strength of it because you are, you know, these uh, you're able to tell these sort of isolated stories. Because of it's not too broad. Because literally, you just have yeah, these five, yeah. uh, four or five characters, and you are able to tell personal stories and basically 
able to wrap a world around each individual character and say about say about that character's world what you need to so you can reveal more about that character. So like Raven, for example, we didn't know much about Raven until we got to her arc. Right. And, you know, you're, you suddenly know Raven's, you know, you're like, where's Raven? And, <laughs> and <laughs> they go into her and they go into her, basically her That's head. Raven. And there's all these Ravens, you know, there's all these different emotions of Raven, all these different, you know, and, and then they start, and they start dealing with Raven's sort of demons, they're demons essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're able to tell us from a story because it's very sort of like, it's very self-contained. And I think why it doesn't translate to the movies is because in the movies, you're expecting blockbusters. You're expecting, you expect a lot from a movie, but a series, especially a cartoon series, is really just meant to say what it needs to say. And then a movie, there's just so much expected from a movie. And I think what, and I think Marvel has, and I think just going back to the difference between DC Marvel, Marvel had a plan and allowed itself to tell a story like it would a series. Essentially, the Mar- MCU is a series, but yes. it has individual movies that are basically telling or a, a segment of that story. I think that's for the success of it is because it's it's really a series. And so it doesn't. The first Iron Man movie doesn't have to do everything. It can just do half of it, or a fourth of it, or even an eighth of it, and then they can tell the rest of Iron Man story through Iron Man two, Iron Man three. Avengers 1, Avengers 2, Avengers 3, Avengers 4. So, and even Spider Man's movies. And Spider Man. And Spider Man. And so, uh, and so just going back to this whole DC Marvel thing, I think the, you know, Marvel is like a series. But like two things, now, funny enough, because even when it comes to the DC series, like I, I heard, I started watching Black Lightning. I'm like, okay, that's pretty dope. And also, you know, a fellow, you know, Hello, classmate is now in one of the new seasons. So I'm just like, hey, oh, oh, oh. yeah, queen, yeah, queen native, <laughs> oh, right. And even some of the series, like they don't, you, the live action series don't do well. I mean, they have their fans, right? Mm. But it just does not seem to really stick. Even like the the early Netflix series for Marvel. They, each and oh, every one Daredevil. of them. Yes. Daredevil. Punisher. <laughs> Daredevil season one and two, right? The first half of Luke Cage. The Punisher. Punisher. The first season of the Punisher. Jessica Jones, if you want to talk about character writing, Jessica Jones, you, Jessica Jones was the first time I ever emoted at my screen. <laughs> I remember watching it and she did something like, you stupid. I was like, yo, this is really good writing. <laughs> Like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Yeah, right. I'm out of like, character. I'm out of character. <laughs> like, I'm bugging. I'm wilding right now. <laughs> but they were so but they were so good. Yeah. And even the Disney Plus series, I mean, now we actually that's a that's up for some debate right now, but and but ultimately they're still part of the Marvel formula. Like if DC would have said. But also, this is what, you, and, and, you know, Gen Z, you said it, it's, these, it's Marvel had a plan. It's like, we're building up to the event. Because that's a world-shattering event. It's like, because of who they're fighting. It's like, they have to fight a fraction of Thanos' army. And then you find out that Thanos is on his way at the end. You're like, oh. Mm-hmm. Now, 
a major event that happened in D.C. is Infinity Crisis. But that's huge. Like you had, like how would you have, you would have to have a real, like you're basically like, okay, we, we need a 15-year plan about that includes, or, or you know, to, to be fair, it's like we need a 10-year plan that includes X amount of movies plus some integrated series that are going to be part of this as well. How do we do that? Like that's how, that's the difference in that kind of story. And even in that, we're th- the Infinity Crisis is basically a condensing of each and every Earth that exists inside of DC. And now to and now to you know and now to you know acknowledge that both DC and Marvel do this is that every few years, you know, like every you know decade or so, you can almost guarantee like, okay, we need to reset each timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Some way it's like, okay, we got to reset it. But in Marvel, it just seems so so much easier. Possibly again, because of its foundation, like, okay, we're kind of rooted in science. We don't have to go through so it's like, okay, let's kind of condense everything and then we should be okay. Where in DC, it's like, again, you're talking about a literal entire universe. Yeah. And and I would say also in Marvel, I think every with every movie, you get sort of a slice of the Marvel universe. That's your series. That's your series. And I think what, and I think one of the probably, maybe something that they thought, maybe they didn't, I'm not sure, but like, they essentially created an a, a, a cinematic universe because there is so much material, so many crossing lines, so many, you know, different plots, you know, plots that take other plots to get their plots that exist outside of plots. And they also have, you know, <laughs> budgets, you know, licensing, which is a, you know, with Disney money, they also have licensing. They don't have all the characters yet. They have to wait 10 years, you know? And then, and then they get sometimes again to disagreements like over Spider-Man. And so, <laughs> and so they, they essentially are like creating this, they're creating a timeline and an a independent timeline by pulling through these stories and sort of, a, and sort of creating, you know, nothing feels so empty. Yes, characters are missing. Yes, plots are missing, but it stands on its own. Like Avengers Infinity War, guarantee there are characters missing. <laughs> There's stuff missing, but it, it stands on its own and it feels complete because they've because they, they have they have made it so that can the cancer stand on its own. And, and I think that's, you know, I think that's one of the, I guess, one of the things you have to kind of do when you're approaching sort of this big material is that you're not going to satisfy everyone and you're not going to do everything. So essentially saying this is going to be its own thing and calling it a day was a pretty good move, I would say, because it it freed them up to do what they needed to do, what they could do. And that's what's interesting. So someone will say that's Kevin Feige. Others will say, well, hey, this is really the Marvel Universe, right? Because as we talked about earlier, the Marvel Universe is by definition a buildup, right? You go into school with the Marvel Universe. You go into class. Everybody has to power up eventually. And you're going to shield, you know, um, steel sharpen steel. You know, you're going to keep, boom, you know, grinding through, grinding through. Like, 
could they have beaten Thanos if not for Thor's three movies? Hmm. Right? Could they have beaten Thanos without Spider-Man trying to figure it out? Could they have beaten Thanos if Iron Man and Captain America didn't fight? Right? You need these things. Could they have beaten Thanos if Black Panther's father did not? Did not? Right? That's part of it. And just as well, the challenge with DC is that part of DC is everyone's isolated, right? There's Gotham. Superman is apparently right across the world from Gotham, and he's not helping Batman clean that up. Better not. Batman was like, Superman. Yeah. <laughs> Born Superman, right? Gotham was like, you don't want these hands, boy. Get <laughs> across the water. Superman be like, all right, man, I'll be back next week. Come on, come on. I'll be ready next week. I'll be ready next week. Y'all be like, get out of here, chump. <laughs> right? But the thing about, and that gets back to that Teen Titans thing about, that T is in the middle of the river and it's isolated. Yeah. Right? Mm. Whereas, so when you have to, we have this movie, you put everyone together, like, should they even be together? Whereas in Marvel, because it takes place in New York City, right? At least initially. Mm-hmm. And there, what's, what's one of the main um, comics, I don't forget, um, editions, I forgot what the term is, was Marvel Team Up. Right, which was basically Spider-Man Plus, and you know you have all these. You know they would have, you know maybe it was marketing back in 1966, right? But <laughs> you would have the Avengers with the X-Men. You would have um, Magneto showing up. You know you have all this cross-pollination, all this overlap, all this integration, and all these interrelationships. So it's like we just got to make the movie. Everything's written. You know, everything is written. Like, and, it, and, you know, so I guess, you know, start to like, you know, move on real quick. You look at where can Marvel go next, right? But they got the race thing on lock, right? I mean, again, Marvel's just like, whoa, how do we get it? How do we do it? God. We're so great. You know, God loves man kill. Yo, how do we do it? Then it's like, and then there's the crime wars. Like, if they ever go through that one, like when 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 um Kingpin checked out, Man, and then you have was... all the like the New York hero, like the the low grade mm-hmm. heroes, Spider Man and Dell and Moon, whatever. They scrapping to find out, but who's trying to take over the crime world in New York City? That'd be right? tough. And there's so many stories, and then there's you know the big one. Forget move race for a second. The X Men. There's so many stories. Fantastic Four versus Doctor Doom. Oh my. There's this that is waiting. And what's interesting, just as, however, just as DC was like, we want the real stuff, we'll give you the watch. Right? There's another story that's a TV series that's gangster. And that's The Boys. Boy. <laughs> right? And The Boys are telling another version, right? Just as DC went somewhere Marvel didn't, they fought, you know, with the Watchmen, they fought in Vietnam. Right. Right? The boys are like the joke, right? They're like the joke. They're the joke, right? We're just selling merchandise. We're here to make money. <laughs> We're here to make money. We're not trying to save the world. Nope. We're just in it for a dollar. And Again, that's small screen, but that's hot. 
And, you know, if they, they, you know, you can't go that route in the movies, maybe you could, but Marvel can't compete with you. Why? Because Marvel's selling you merchandise. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Disney is is the corporation. The corporation, like, wait. The corporation. Literally, (laughs) they had a fight over Spider-Man because of money. Because they have all this money for, it's like, you can't. And it's so you, bad now. So they're killing over, like, I was reading an article the other day. They were killing over characters. Like, you know what? They were so upset with how other studios were affecting their properties. They were like, man, it's bringing in humans. You know, we can't even use the word this anymore. Let's kill off this character. Let's do, let's, let's devalue this. Like, there was like, a, I forgot which one. It was like, they killed Fantastic Four. They were like, yo, these guys are so trash, right? That, you know, those movies are so bad. We don't want it associated with us. So we don't kill them families. <laughs> right? It's like, yo, this is crazy. This is crazy yeah. in so many ways. And that's ironic, right? Because Marvel went there first. Because I remember, you know, as a kid walking into, um, they used to go on Hillside Avenue, like Huntsman Street. There was this, I don't even know what you call it, right? Like a luncheon, I don't even know what you call it. But mm-hmm. we get like sodas from there. You get like sodas on tap. And that was like the best soda in the world, right? It's like, mm-hmm. sure. The black sugar, right? <laughs> and I remember going in there and you had all the comics lined up, right? And it was like, oh my God, <laughs> right? There's all these comics. And then I remember like about 10 years later, the only comics every, on every cover was Spider-Man and Wolverine. Hmm. It's like, it was like, well, we, like, you could tell they were like, we need to make money. Right? We need to make some money here. <laughs> right? So, you know, all the marketing people, like the writers, like, get out of here, writers. Suck. We need to make some money. Where the money makers at? You know, bring the NBAs going. Let, let, let's go. What, what are the kids like? Well, the kids like Spider-Man. What kid was Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. Give him Spider-Man. Give him Wolverine. I was like, why is every comic book about Wolverine and Spider-Man? And so, you know, that's, that's also part of Marvel's DNA. Yeah, but without Disney, the question could be asked, would we, you know, would we have the MCU? And it's probably no. Oh, no. You know, like without that, not without that sort of financial power, but also without that, you could argue historical, intellectual power in terms of storytelling, narrative, mm-hmm. even sort of, you know, access to like, you know, CGI, you know, artists, um, creatives. Um, you know, and hmm? able to tell a story across multiple platforms. Disney hmm. princesses. <laughs> um, literally, the, the movie. Literally, before, we got you. We got you. We straight. Before there was the Avengers, there was a Disney princess T-shirt with every single Disney princess on there. <laughs> so they've been marketing. They've been combining stories. They have a whole. Disney World has whole musical numbers built on this. So like they're, they're, that's all they do. They, all, all they do is put things together for money in ways that are marketable, entertaining, and, you know, artistic. So, well, I, perfect. But do you, think yeah, that's, yeah. do you think that's kind of, will that eventually eat Marvel? Mm. Because like, as we started off, there are grumblings around this new phase. Mm. There's grumblings like, what are you talking about? 
Mm-hmm. Are you still telling stories? What's going on here? Right? You know, shout out to RDC World. They had a they had a joke, they had like a like on YouTube saying, Eternals, the hell? <laughs> Iron Man died. Why can't you get your cousin? Where you at? That's all you big and bad. Thanos came and knocked on our door. Where were you at? You know. <laughs> and so that's the question is that have they sort of, you know, are they tapping out a little bit? We'll see. We will see now that like because that is that is a couple of things. Because like number one, if like if in fact <laughs> you know if in fact Disney has I mean well Disney always has but Disney has officially said Jetted Skin said we are the evil empire. It's like well how do heroes fight that when you are like in the boys? How do hear how do you fight that when that those are the ones that are cutting your check right? When Jan Esposito, when you are all powerful, right? Every, you've been taking everyone's lunch and you sit in front of John Esposito who look at you spending your time like, are we going to get this money or what? And you're like, yeah, we are. Yeah, do, like, right? and, and that's funny, right? And that, that's brilliant. Shout out to DC, right? That's brilliant. You could be Homelander, super powerful, but my dollar bill is way more powerful oh, than you. It's money. That zero and one? Yeah. That, the little paper money. That zero one? Yeah is more powerful than you. And that's, I think, brilliant. And that's, and, that, that's brilliant. And to that right now, to link that directly to is Disney slash Marvel now on its way to being the thing that went the way of so, <coughs> excuse me, went the way of so many other like franchises. Mm. For the franchise, Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars, Game of Thrones. <sighs> but it's like, what happens now? Because it's like, because, like, she, basically, it's asking the question, like, all right, we are, it is now 2021. Should folks start to think, like, okay, in 2031, how do we reboot this? Because it looks like Marvel, basically, just starting to think, like, okay, how do we start to reboot this? Because if the clock is ticking, we're gonna need we're gonna need we're gonna need a way to revive this universe. Okay. On that note, I think that's the cue up for the next for the next episode. Yeah, for the next episode. So this one was a banger. It was just bad funny because we were we kept trying to redo it, redo, redo like take five, take fifty-seven. You know, Gen Z disappears. What happened to Gen Z? You know, I'm, I'm talking right now, and I said, yo. The millennials out on there, like, yo, where millennial at? Oh, see, the person was great. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? So, Gen Z, you have anything to say before we shut it down? Uh, Gen Z has nothing to say. It's Gen Z's been time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yo. All right, well, thank you very much. So, we enjoyed it. You know, we enjoyed it, but, you know, definitely that thing. We ended on the right note, because the next one, so plug the next show, kid. The next one we're going to be talking about, Mike, since we're talking about how, you know, things can be revamped, we're going to look at a couple of franchises that, you know what, it's, it's time. The time is now to, re- to resurrect some of these franchises and also talk about how sometimes corporation can really just kill a franchise. Yeah. But one thing I will say that, you know, the thing about, you know, the Marvel Universe is because it's rooted in science, because it has you know, 
it's really about the human condition. It's kind of stuck a little bit fighting corporations, right? But um, it seems like th- that catalog is so massive and so big. And that, that foundational story, because we know we're all about the canon, that foundational story is just, is timeless. With great power comes great responsibility. And, you know, we're going to deal with that forever. So thank Word. you very much for listening. Shout out to us. Word. Clap it up. Clap it up, y'all. Shout out to us. All right. You know, that's it. It's a wrap. Till next time. Hey. Hey.